Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Got another great guest for us this week. So she's a director, she's an actor, she's a producer, a business owner. She's been nominated multiple times as Filmmaker of the Year. She's the one and only L.A. Gray. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Joe. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, absolutely. So uh, Laura Ann Gray is real, but her the cool kids call her L.A. Gray. So thank you so much for coming on. Tell us a little about uh, where'd you grow up and kind of your background. Okay, well, I actually grew up in the Atlanta area, just on the northwest side of Atlanta in Marietta. Um, and I guess I was a typical kid who was involved in the arts and did all kinds of stuff in Atlanta. At that time, like there wasn't a big boom of the film industry there, but the arts were very much alive. And so I did a lot of training there in Atlanta as I, I grew up. I was a dancer with the Georgia Ballet and I got my acting training from Alliance Theater in Atlanta. Um, I had a private vocal coach that was a former Broadway show performer. I uh, was in several uh, like area like vocal groups and and that kind of thing and so I say I grew up as a normal kid I guess I really didn't grow up as a normal kid because I was constantly in class somewhere if I wasn't in school um but yeah that that's kind of me growing up just in class everywhere <laughs> that's cool yeah Mary is great area. I got family in Mary that's a cool area so uh I don't have any formal training, but I have won a dance competition in Jamaica. So I got that going for me. That's right. I'm, oh. I'm what you call a uh, classically trained. I think it's called. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, you, you've done a little bit of everything. Kind of give people a background on some of the, the shows you've been involved in over the years and some of the, maybe stuff they've heard of and maybe some stuff they haven't. Okay. Um, well, when I was 19, I actually ran away from home. Don't, don't do that. I don't recommend it. But um, I joined a Broadway show. I joined Beauty and the Beast Broadway touring group. So we were not the group that performed directly on Broadway, but we were the Broadway tour that toured around and went to the different cities and, and venues um, that gave people, you know, those opportunities to see a Broadway show if they couldn't get to New York. Um, later in the life, I landed my first big role on a lifetime pilot, uh, which was called HR, uh, played Alicia Silverstone's secretary. Uh, Peter Fonda was in it. Peter Jacobson, who's from house was in that. And that kind of like was the beginning of everything film related from there. I went on and, you know, continued in the performance side of all of that. And I was in ABC's resurrection, a lifetime Stevie's Maids. Um, I worked behind the scenes just so that I had the opportunity to be on set and meet these people um, uh, behind uh, AMC's The Walking Dead. And also, uh, I don't know if I mentioned uh, Resurrection. Cool. Yeah. Is Walking Dead filmed in the Atlanta area? It is. It's filmed south of Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was something. Man, you, you've been all some pretty cool opportunities right there. So do you have any inside scoop on anybody that's like a really cool person behind the scenes? Um, I'm actually really good friends with several people that you may not recognize their names, but you would recognize their face. Like I'm really good friends with Sandra Lafferty, who was in the Hunger Games. She okay. actually lives over in Fort Payne. Wow. Um, and so we've 
developed a really good friendship. Um, I'm good friends with, um, oh gosh, brain's killing me. I hear you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of those character I, actor type people that we'd probably recognize their face, but not necessarily their name. Right, yeah, definitely. Uh, I was actually watching TV the other night and there was this movie that came on called Selfless. And, uh, well, I mean, it didn't come on. I obviously clicked to watch it. Um, but um, I, I was sitting there watching because I, I was like really late at night and I couldn't sleep. And so I decided just to watch a movie. And I'm watching and there's my friend Sandra in this movie. And I'm like messaging her at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm watching this movie and I just saw you. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I, I've, it's very rare for me to watch TV and be like, Hey, there's a friend of mine. That's, that's pretty neat. So I mean, <laughs> maybe like on a, like I'm watching crime stoppers or something like that. Maybe that'd be something for me, but, uh, so you mentioned right. you had a, a pretty normal childhood growing up, but then you discovered something about yourself that was pretty shocking. Kind of tell people kind of how that, what that happened and what happened with the kind of the aftermath. Okay. Um, well, when I was eight years old uh I was on a vacation of sorts with my mom and she was talking about some random person and she looked back at me and she said do you remember and she said their name and I was like no and she like they're in the car riding down the road uh disclosed to me that I was actually adopted and as an eight-year-old, you know, that was a little shocking, especially in such an informal way. And so I had so many questions and I kind of reached out to one of my cousins who I was really close to, and I was asking her questions. I was like, do you know anything about this? You know, next time I saw her and she kind of clued me in on some stuff. And I mean, my mother told me several things that were not pleasant, of course, um, but I, I still felt like I didn't have like the full story. And all I knew was at that time was that I was adopted, that my mother, my biological mother had allowed several things to happen to me as a young child infant up until I was around two. Um, and that it was just a really bad atmosphere for me to be in and that I had brothers that I didn't know about. And so I just kind of grew up having all of these questions that I, I didn't have answered. And of course my mom uh, died when I was 13. And so if I ever had any more questions I wanted to ask, then that possibility was gone. My father was completely unwilling to talk about it. He was, very upset that I knew in the first place he didn't want me to know and so I didn't have anyone really to reach out to and talk to um so fast forward several years um I'm like 29 years old somewhere in there and I get a message on Facebook from someone claiming to be my brother and I was absolutely ecstatic and happy um, because I always wondered who my siblings were. I knew I had brothers and I didn't know who they were. Um, and so he reached out to the, my other brothers and they started calling me and everything was pretty amazing. Um, but then my mother 
biological mother finally got in contact with me and we met and it was very interesting. Uh, I'm a spitting image of her, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> um, and so then, you know, other family members started coming out of the woodwork and, and stuff. And I started developing relationships with my biological grandmother and other family who were like, hey, you know, whenever you got taken away from your mom by DHR when you were young, you know, we kept you for a little while and someone else would have the same story. Um, and all of this really upset my mother and she did not like the fact that I was knowing anything about my past. And she pretty much told me that if I did not drop it, which I wasn't the one really seeking, but if, if I did not stop talking to all of those family members, um, about what happened in the past, then she didn't want to have anything to do with me because she wanted to forget all of that and move past it. And honestly, that hurt my feelings because, you know, as somebody who doesn't know your past, you want to know what it is. You know, I, I want to know what happened to me beyond my memory. And so, I'm asking her these questions that people are telling me. And so pretty much at that point, she just cut me off and she said, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. Um, and she cut my brothers off as well and told them they weren't allowed to talk to me anymore. And I kept on with my relationships with some of those other people that didn't care what she had to say about not talking to me and found out that, um, she had actually lost me to DHR, but this couple who had been keeping me um, wanted me really bad. And so she actually went back and won me somehow um, on the promise of money. And at that point, she didn't care. She had all three of my brothers already, but she had not fought to get me back and was just going to let me go into the system and never see me again. But at the, the promise of, of money, she then went and found everything that she possibly could um, in order to, you know, witnesses and all of that to try to prove that she was, you know, a good mother and all of this, got a job. And so long story short, in the end, I ended up where I am in life because someone wanted money. She decided, you know, oh, well, I won't fight for her unless there's monetary, you know, benefit for me. And so she ended up getting me back and pretty much sold me for money. They offered her money if they would be willing to, if she would be willing to get me back because they couldn't, it was going to be a really long drawn out process if they went through the system of adopting me because I wasn't directly related to them. And so the only way they could actually get me was to have her sign over those rights. And so I was pretty much sold for, <laughs> for money, um, which is hilarious. Um, but you know, with, with all of that, 
it it's one of those things you know from a very young age when I first found out that I was adopted um you know I I always wondered what was wrong with me you know why why didn't she want me why didn't she want to keep me was there something wrong with me does she not love me like she loved my brothers and it, it caused a, a lot of self-esteem issues with me and all throughout my life and made me I mean it didn't make me but it caused me to react in a way um to always seek attention always seek acceptance um be a people pleaser no matter what it was that people wanted for me I gave it up to them because I felt like that was the only way that I could get the love back from someone is to give myself up to them in whatever way and then as an adult for her to come into my life and then be like you know what never mind I don't want to have anything to do with you that caused a lot to happen in my life and I completely went off the rails and um it's one of those things where, you know, you have events that happen in your life that cause you to doubt everything about yourself and, um, hate yourself even because you're like, what's, what's wrong with me that no one loves me? What's wrong with me that no one wants me? And, um, you know, so one of the comments that she even made one day was, she was surprised that I look the way that I do. And what she was talking about was like my weight and, because everyone in the family was slender and thin and gorgeous. And here is Laura Ann who holds a few extra pounds. And so that caused a, a deep reaction with me as well and caused a lot of deep seated body image issues that I still struggle with today. And I really can't let go of even still. Um, so it, it's, it's been a long road uh, mentally to be where I am today where yes I still have those like issues of abandonment and body image issues and and all of that but I'm finding ways to move past it and try to be more accepting of myself and love myself for who I am and not care what other people think of me or how they think that I look or I sound or you know, I don't even have makeup on today and that's okay. When yeah, we're just talking before we came on, I got a hole yeah. in the wall. You're not wearing makeup. I, I rarely wear makeup. I don't know if you know this about me, but right, I, yeah. you, you've been through all these things and still you use experience to help others. How have you helped some other people do, for what you've been through and you've kind of turned that around and help others. What show some examples of that you've done. Well, I've, I've gotten involved in, public speaking, going to church youth groups, um, mission trips, that kind of thing, giving my testimony and sharing with people the things that I have done. And that's okay because I'm human and we all react a different way. Um, but here's how we can cope with it. Here's how we can move past it. Here's how we can learn to love ourselves again and give ourselves chances and just be accepting and loving of ourselves because that that's pretty much 
if I'm going to speak, that's what I'm talking about is that self-love and making mistakes and being able to come back from them. And instead of letting them get us down, learn from them and then take that lesson that we've learned and go help other people to heal as well. And so I've, I've done a lot of that. I've worked with uh, group homes, like youth group homes in that way to help raise, you know, confidence and and let them know that they're loved because you know they're in the same position that I could have been where I'm still a teenager living in a, a group home with a bunch of other kids not knowing their past or their parents or even worse knowing that their parents gave them up and didn't care about them and so I, I love working with group homes with with kids and teenagers who just need some money to know that they love them and um, you know, I took me falling in love with the film industry and decided I wanted to tell my own stories to help other people as well. And so that's another way that I help people in that I write scripts that touch people in a way that gives them a lesson without them really even realizing they're getting a lesson. Um, but just to teach that self-love and to teach that confidence and and all of that that can help people whereas you know I'm not in front of you but it's still a, a story that I can take that I can find you anywhere with um, you know you can find that film anywhere on a platform and be able to get something out of it yeah just like with kids man you gotta sneak those vegetables in on them every now and then right yeah <laughs> yeah just kind of mix mess so, so another way you're helping people now you founded excelsior studios tell us about that so how was let's say you you're off on your own kind of doing your own thing what made you want to start your own thing um i honestly i believe it was a calling um and that's the reason why i got into behind the scenes of, of doing film and directing and producing. I feel like it was a call in my life to do that, to tell those stories. And that started back in 2012. And I always felt like I had something bigger that was coming that I was meant for. And I went on Babby Mason's um, talk show seven years ago and told her these dreams and I was like you know this is what I feel God's calling me into and what I'm supposed to do is tell these stories and I I really feel that one day I'm going to have you know an official production company that can produce and um, tell these stories and it's so funny because seven years to the day I signed the lease on this building and um, if you know anything about the number seven, it's the number of completion. And so I thought that was really interesting um, that it literally happened seven years to the day. And there's so much that has happened to me since, you know, that calling to getting to that point that I was being grown up and nourished and taught so many lessons that I probably wouldn't appreciate where I am today if I had not gone through all of that. I would probably be some privileged bratty person somewhere. Um, <laughs> but um, I wanted or I felt called into this. And so that's, I don't think anybody should really 
jump into something unless they feel like it's their life's calling, whether you believe it's just your life's calling through the universe or from God. Um, I believe that anybody who is taking a leap like this, especially a leap in faith um, to start a huge business like this, you need that calling upon your life and it needs to be your passion. It needs to be, you know, what your lifelong goal has, has always been. And so that's, that's where I am in that. I just believe that this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I'm here. There you go. I, you better, cause this, it gets rough as you've experienced <laughs> and I have in my business as well. So man, if it's not your calling, it's going to be tough to hang in there, but once you're calling, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make it through. So something right. cool that happened to you uh, that hadn't really happened to many people that I know is you went viral on TikTok. So tell first of all, for your biggest video, what was the largest <laughs> amount of views or downloads, whatever, however TikTok were? Um, I think my biggest video right now is at like, I think it's around 2 million, like 1.9 million. Wow. Yeah, so tell us, what, what's the video about? And tell us that experience of kind of going viral. A lot of people hadn't gone that. So what, what's that, first of all, what's the video like? What's it about? And then kind of what's that experience been like? Uh, this video is the most boring video on the planet. And so that's why I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> um, but it caused so much controversy and drama. And that's the reason why it went viral. Um, so my daughter got me on TikTok many, many years ago uh, when it was still musically. And I had always played around with it and I got kind of addicted to it. And so I, I was that adult that was on TikTok and posting my TikToks to Facebook and all of my Facebook friends going, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, it's fun. It's creative. Um, and so she was doing a TikTok one night. This was October of last year. And she decided that she would do a handstand in the kitchen, right? And so she actually fell out of her handstand and landed in the oven, like busted the oven all out. Um, at this point, I had been diagnosed with colon cancer. I had just finished like my fourth surgery in three months. Um, all of the money that I had saved up for Excelsior to actually start a, start it as an official business and have our own place, you know, all of that money went out the window for, um, the surgeries and all of that. And so I was kind of at my wits end, um, at the point that this video happened, I think I was only like a week out from that latest surgery and still, you know, drugged and all the good stuff. And, um, so I, I am sitting here going, I have no money to buy a new oven. I can't, I, I can't, I just can't right now, financially, mentally, all of those things. I was just exhausted. Um, and so I posted a video of just, it was literally just a screenshot of the oven and, her video falling into the oven did not go viral, but my video of just the screenshot of the oven, that's what went viral, which is absolutely insane. Um, and the reason it went viral 
like because of like four different reasons. Okay. So the first one was, you know, bullies on TikTok are real. They are out there. They're out to get you. And so of course, the first people that are responding to this video are bullies who are like, oh, you're only posting this because you want us to give you money, blah, blah, blah. You're a scam artist, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then it, it got weird. <laughs> and so then it was people arguing about whether or not my daughter should be punished for what she did, um, blaming her saying that, you know, your mom is sick and you've done this to her, blah, 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 blah. And then it got onto those, like, there's, there's this thing called the for you page. So like when the algorithm picks it up, like it jumps it to different for you pages that show people your video. And evidently it made it onto like the for you page at this point. And there were people who, uh, remember the vine back in the day where this mom, she poured baby oil on the floor and she put juice on the stove and it was going to be a prank for her kids that they run in and slip and fall. And so this vine said, you know, Keenan and Colin come get your juice and the kids run in and instead of just slipping and falling, they literally bust up straight into the oven. And so this video is what reminded everyone of that video and so literally there are about 30 to 40,000 comments that just wow. say Keelan and Colin come get your juice wow. well, of course that just raised the algorithm even more and made it you know boosted out because so many people were commenting but then it got really bad and that people started bullying my daughter and um literal death threats and going to her Instagram and, you know, telling her she should kill herself because she's such a horrible person Jeez. to do this to her mom. And how old is and, your daughter? Uh, at the time, she was only 14. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it became an argument over the entire TikTok platform and everyone sharing this video and arguing about whether she should be punished or not. And people, you know, like, she's just a kid. It was an accident, leave her alone to she knew better, she should die, you know? So it, it was just horrible. Um, and so that's how it went viral is just all of those different things that were happening. But in that, and this is, you know, kind of the glory story and all of it, there's a, a lady who was on there and she was a follower of me and she saw all of this that was happening and she messaged me and she was like hey i've i've seen everything that's going on i'm so sorry um to see all the bullying and all the hate and everything that's going on about this situation that you're in and i would love to help you and so she's like go pick out an oven and send me like the sticker of it and i'll send you the money for that wow. oven well, at first I thought it was a scam because, you know, people do that. Um, and so I was like, mm, we'll give it a shot and see what happens. I'm not going to give out any personal information or anything like that. And so I sent my PayPal and within a few days I had the money in my PayPal. Wow. I was like, what? And she actually sent a little bit extra with a note that said, you know, take your daughter out to have a girl's day to 
you know, wash away all this negativity, take her to dinner, get her nails done, whatever. Um, so that was really great. And so in that I developed a friendship with this lady and we got to talking and a few weeks later we were talking about, you know, goals and dreams and, and all of that and, um, how I was doing, you know, post surgeries and, you know, I, I told her, you know, about my dream for itself here and, um, that I had to start all over again with raising the money after having all the medical issues. And she was like, well, do you have a business plan? And I was like, yeah, of course I have a business plan. And she was like, can you send it to me? Because I might have some people that can help you. And I was like, okay, it's worth a shot. And so I sent it to her and, um, she came back and she's like, so what exactly is the startup cost for something like this? You know, what do you need to get started? And I shared a number with her, you know, I had a number in my head of what it would actually cost. And surprisingly, she came back with me of, okay, let's do this, go find a lawyer and let's get started. And, you know, I want to invest in your company and in you because I believe in you, I believe in what you do, and I want to help you. And so that's, truly why I am where I am today sitting in my studio is because a TikTok went viral and a very loving, compassionate lady who had, you know, a, a lot of wealth, um, who loves giving back to other people. Um, her husband had died a few years ago and she and he were heavily invested in the oil and, uh, I guess, natural gas industry. Um, and so they had, you know, built up a really good uh, bank account, I guess, um, from all of that. And wow. so now that he had passed away, she was finding opportunities to help other people and um, amazing lady. And so that's that's why I am sitting in Excelsior Studios right now. Is Man, your life it, is a lifetime story. Like you're it, uh, it, it you're truly like is. It truly is. Honestly, yeah. like uh, I, I wrote a, a film called Pretty Big Girl and I wrote it with Lifetime in mind. Um, but Lifetime has all these weird isms that you have to follow. And so we never made it onto Lifetime with that script. Um, but yeah, my entire life, everyone has been like, you really should write a book. And I was like, I have ADHD. I can't sit down and write a book. I'm sorry. Um, I can write a script, you know, that's 90 pages, but a whole book. Hmm, I don't, I'm not sure I, I have the patience for that. You can do um, it. If, I, if I can do it, you could do it. I'm sure you could. You just do it like everything else you do. Just do it small doses, everything else. Right. So yeah, it's just like a lifetime story. Like if I saw this movie, I was like, that's made up. You're crazy. So, so, you do, so you do work with a lot of actors and directors and stuff like that. So if someone's trying to get into that industry, what, what would be some tips for people like that? <laughs> If they're trying to get into kind of become the, the LA gray of, of their lives. What's some good tips they could have? Gotcha. So I have a lot of people because we, we teach acting here at Excelsior. Um, we teach filmmaking, we teach, you know, the professional track of acting. And I have so many people that come to me who just want me to clue them in with, you know, where do I go? to audition or get my name out there give me some names of some agents and stuff I can submit to and, and all of that not realizing that there truly is an industry standard way of 
getting into the film industry, first off, you need training. There's so many people who think that they don't need training. Um, and yes, you have those success stories of people who randomly were found, you know, doing construction like Harrison Ford, that was just a natural we're not all Harrison Ford. We are not going to just randomly be in front of a director who needs someone who looks like us. And so we have got to get that training that we need. Even if we are a natural talent, there's so much that we need to know as far as industry, like etiquette and how to submit and all of that. And so first and foremost, it's training. Then you need to get your industry standard headshots, which is not just a business headshot. There's a certain look to it and way it should be shot to be an actual actor's headshot. And third is an actor's reel. And an actor's reel is a video clip that typically is about 90 seconds or less that has you in front of the camera so that casting directors can see what you look like on camera and also your ability. And so you want all of those things. And then once you have those things, which if you are new into the film industry, you can't just have a reel because you've got to get in front of the camera in order to have that reel. So if you, you know, haven't found those opportunities yet to get in front of the camera, then you can do something like we do. We have a real workshop where we write scenes for you that showcase you. And then it looks like a real film that you can then piece together to show casting directors. And so at that point, you want to get like an actor's access account um, to put your headshots on there, your reel on there, all your specs and, and all of that. And you can submit uh, four casting calls through Actors Access. Um, once you, you know, get a few things under your belt, then you can then seek an agent who will work for you to find you work within the industry. And that's just kind of how that goes. I um, always training, training, training. That's what you need because there's so much that people don't realize goes into acting um, from the skill to the etiquette and the way that you are supposed to be on set. I've been on set with background actors for like major networks and they think that they can just walk up to the director and be like, hey, what's up? You know, and that's totally not allowed. You'll get kicked off in like five seconds flat. Uh, so yeah, there's so much that you need to know. And if you get that training, then you'll, you'll know that and you'll understand what you can and can't do and what you should be doing. Um, acting is a business. A lot of people see it as achieving their dreams to become famous and all of this kind of stuff. But really as a business, you are that business that people are uh, utilizing and so it, it's not about glory it's not about fame it's not about being a known name it truly is a business and that's what people have to understand sure i mean that's that's a hard part of being an adult you start realizing these stuff it's like man everything's a business right so hey if people right. want to work with you what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to get some skilled uh get that skilled training for the actor or whatever they want to do uh, how can they reach out to you Okay. Um, well, we have a Facebook page, which is Excelsior Studios. We have an Instagram, which is Excelsior Studios Productions. And then we have a new website that should be launching soon, which is Excelsior Studios Productions.com. 
home. Uh, I kind of messed up back in the day and created a excelsiorstudios.com and we lost it um, in you know, the interwebs. Um, so it's at celsiorstudiosproductions.com. You can also call me or text. I honestly, I prefer a text message at 256-762-3395. That is Excelsior's cell phone. Um, you can call me if you want to, but I prefer a text just because I'm busy and going all over the place. Sure. Um, but definitely you can email me email us at excelsior studios office at gmail.com okay cool and i'll link all this in show notes but i wanted to get out there you know some people don't read you know it is so get it out there <laughs> so well man i'm looking forward to the la gray story on lifetime when that actually gets worked out with all your isms and all that so all thank right. you so much for coming on tell us your life story all those good tips and going viral all that like you've lived you've lived you've lived a life so thank you so much for telling the people about it it's been a whirlwind <laughs> that's it yeah well thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you later Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in that episode. I really appreciate you being here. I also really appreciate our sponsors. I'm very grateful for them to help us spread the word of positivity out there. So please go out and support them. Go fly on Breeze Airways. So I flew on them not too long ago, and I want to tell you a little bit more about them. So their tagline is seriously nice. Is that what your airline is? Most of them aren't these days. Check them out. What they do is they serve underserved markets like Huntsville, Alabama, where I am. You could hardly ever get a direct flight. But I got a direct flight to New Orleans from here, 52 minutes in the air. It was amazing. We did get delayed on the way there and coming back. But guess what? Every step of the way, they told us what was going on, why we were delayed, and they compensated us as well. And you're... What airline does that for you as well? So you need to check them out. They're combining technology and kindness. That's a pretty awesome way to do it, right? Go check out flybreeze.com. See if they're in your area. If not, you need to tell them to come here. Go nag them until they come to your area. You got to fly them. You got to check them out. Nice people flying nice people. That's what you want. Also, Apparel Lab. When you fly on Breeze Air, well, you need to be looking swanky in your t-shirts and your hats, all that. Whatever you need. They can put your face on them. We've done that for people. Go to apparelab.co, not .com, .co. Check out their merch catalog. And if you need some ideas of what you can do, they've got some great examples right there. Go check them out. Use promo code relentless save yourself some money go check that out also go refinance your house or at least check out your numbers with my guy dominic garver his website is rocketcitymortgageguy.com or you can call him at 256-714-1429 so he recently just sold saved a local veteran 10 years off his loan and also lowered his monthly payment hey it's just worth the time to go check him out call him or go to his website let him run your numbers. He's not going to sell you on extra stuff. He's just going to try to help you out. Great dude. Go check him out. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Go out and support our sponsors. We really appreciate them. Have a great day.